This podcast is brought to you by New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit the website newhope.net.au or follow us on social media. It's great to be back in Melbourne. I do feel a bit older and greyer. It's been uh, 20 years since I had a Christmas in in, uh, Melbourne. And uh, yeah, I'm certainly older and wider anyway. Uh, I have to wear my reading glasses now, which I really like these ones. I think I look a bit like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, the great German theologian. My wife, however, thinks I look like a very old Harry Potter. But uh, if you turn to your Bibles, to John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 19. Now, uh, I love this this, uh, series about being with, and really this text uh, is the one I really felt to share this morning, really picks up this theme of Jesus being with us in fear, in shalom, and in joy. And uh, I have a few stories to tell about these themes, fortunately. Uh, So this is John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 19. This is uh, sometimes known as the Great Commission. Um, Often we think of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, as the Great Commission, but this is John's version. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Lord, I thank you for these words, challenge and inspiration. I pray for us, Lord, this would be good news, that these words would move from the page to our hearts and lives. Lord, where there are things that I share today which are unhelpful, may they fall to the ground and be forgotten. But where there's life, where there's words that will give encouragement and strength and flourishing, I pray that they may indeed find good soil and be places of, uh, of hope and love and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a strange time for so many of us and uh, I know uh, coming back to Melbourne, this has been a really tough time for for so many people. And this first image in this story of the disciples being locked in a room, locking the doors and feeling afraid is actually a feeling I know many people have felt. Certainly in the UK, we experienced um, COVID in different ways. We actually had 160,000 deaths within a, a, a three-hour drive of our house. Um, you may know the density of population in the UK, particularly in England, is incredible. And so this virus just ripped through the most vulnerable and killed so many. And so this call to fear not, <laughs> to face our fears, is one 
that I think is crucial, particularly as we begin to be unlocked. But what we notice here is that Jesus doesn't say, come out (laughs) of your fears. Jesus joins us in our fears. And certainly that's been my experience. At one moment, Gwen, uh, uh, this is in uh, early 2021, Gwen, who lived with us in our community house, we normally have between eight to a dozen people living in Newbigin House. Uh, was, and Gwen was one of our older folk and she's a volunteer pastor and she's helped us get this new congregation going. And she's like a big hug for the community. I don't know if you've got people here, just like a big hug. Everybody loves them. In a neighbourhood like ours where there's so much vulnerability and poverty, you have to have a positive person who can, who can support you and encourage you. And in fact, one of the things Gwen, we used to do is, um, is, is um, do the kind of advocacy piece, ringing up social services, ringing up schools, you know, just helping people who couldn't kind of speak for themselves very well and standing with them. And of course, when COVID happened, nearly all our neighbourhood kind of assets collapsed. The schools closed. The hospitals collapsed. Uh, most of the government departments disappeared. And it was us as the church who were one of the last ones standing. Um, in fact, uh, the police said, look, please keep your church building open because uh, so many people live in boarding houses and houses of multiple occupancy and they, uh, they, they can't live in the same way. We, we need an emergency centre. Would you keep your church open for us? And, um, and so Gwen was one of the people who manned the church day in, day out with all the risks associated with that. Uh, and, uh, and actually was one of the first people because of her age to get the vaccine. But uh, in early 2021, uh, she tested positive and got very, very sick. And as she went out into the ambulance and said kind of goodbye to us, we were really worried that we would never see her again. Fear just kind of overwhelmed our hearts for Gwen. Gwen, however is a follower of Jesus and although she had her own anxieties and fears, she she knew where to go with them. She said, no, I've been doing what God's wanted me to do and I don't think it's my time yet. And even if it is my time, (laughs) I've been doing the things Jesus would want me to do and that's where I find my purpose and meaning. And uh, when... Gwen did come back and, and actually so many went to the hospitals and never came back but she did and uh, she continues to serve and lead and guide so many people. It was as if Jesus was in the room with her, facing her fears. In an even more extreme situation, in October this year, I was in Kiev. Some people may know the Russians have been invading Ukraine and Kiev um, is one of the, the main cities Um, For the last five years, we've been working with the Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary, uh, designing a master's program for urban community leaders. And uh, we've been running that program. We had to do it online with COVID, but we'd been running it before that in person. And actually, six missiles hit their campus um, last year, uh, in March last year. And as they wanted to kind of reopen the campus after getting it fixed and bringing people together and in defiance, 
start again uh, and overcome the kind of fears that they experienced. They, um, they said, oh, look, we'd really love to start this course again and you can do it online if you'd like. But I really had a sense that I was to go there in person again and support them. And to, while I you know, didn't have medical training or military training, uh, a theologian or a missiologist in these settings doesn't seem much use in lots of ways, but it was what I had in my hands. And I said, would you be open? Would it be a problem if I came in person? And another colleague of mine, Dave Mann, both of us went across. And as we heard the stories of what the church is doing in Ukraine, I mean, standing up uh, in places like Butcher, where the Russians had come, had taken over whole areas and some Christians stayed. They stayed with their people. They stayed with their communities. And uh, I remember interviewing with the class one of the young Baptist leaders who were there and he was saying, we kind of had a choice. Do we take the guns and do we try and fight the Russians? But we've got elderly people and children here who haven't been able to escape. And, you know, we would be no kind of... uh, you would have no chance against their guns. Maybe we just stay and pray, put our hands up, surrender there and ask for mercy. And they did that and the Russians came and why they destroyed so many, literally kind of destroying houses and killing so many. In fact, they spared this little compound and they did this amazing thing of being present, facing their fears together. And with both Gwen and my colleagues uh, in Ukraine, there is something contagious about their courage. That with Jesus together, come what may, come what may, we can see change happen. It's interesting, uh, Ivan, who's the principal of the college, he said, we, didn't, we weren't expecting you to come. I mean, you didn't come when there was COVID. We didn't expect you to come when there's a war on. Uh, but, but here you are. And you know what? Your presence here has been healing. Your presence here has been healing. And I think that's what Jesus does with us. He enables the fears to be quenched. Not because we're bravadoing and... You know, showing off, but because we have that sense to do what we need to do, the right thing at the right time. And that changes all the time, of course. Jesus appeases our fears by entering into the room with us. I, I think uh, many are, are struggling with what to do and now and um, uh, in terms of meeting together. My encouragement is, and those at home and those who are here, to keep meeting together, keep being in the presence of each other, however you can do that. There is something that happens. The courage comes when we're with each other. When we're isolated, when we're lonely, we become easy pickings for fear. In fact, one of the biggest killers uh, in the UK and around the world now is isolation and loneliness. It's been found to kill more than uh, obesity or alcoholism or even smoking. I mean, this is the technical kind of science stuff of it, which I don't fully understand, but I know. Fear is appeased. 
not by locking ourselves away, by allowing Jesus to come in and to be with us. We face together our fears. The second part of this story is um, really powerful. Jesus meets them and says, Shalom, peace be with you. Now this word shalom is a very important word in the Hebrew Bible. It's more than just peace. It's more than just well-being. It's more than just a greeting. It's more than just the absence of war or violence. Shalom is about God, people and place living in harmony together. And so what Jesus is speaking into the life of these frightened disciples is this goodness that comes from God. It's a wholeness that comes. And uh, it's a rich tapestry of, of love. We, we see in Jeremiah 29, when the exiles are um, sent away to, to Babylon, the call comes. Put down roots. Be there, be present, have children. Uh, because in the shalom of the city, you'll find your shalom. And this is what Jesus gives, this, this shalom. Now, when we look through, uh, there are similar words actually and similar ideas throughout Scripture. Words like salvation is about creation being healed, or these relationships being healed, the kingdom of God coming on earth as in heaven. These are, these are all similar kinds of themes. It isn't just um, individuals and God God's plan for salvation, God's plan for shalom, God's plan for the kingdom of God is much wider and richer and deeper than mere individuals, although it includes the personal. It must include the personal. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, is, is actually one of my favourite theologians, hence the glasses. Uh, but he once said, have we learnt a little too late in the day that action springs not from thought, but a readiness for responsibility. And I think as Christians, we have to think about place as an area of responsibility. Uh, Leslie Newbigin, who I mentioned earlier, in his famous work, um, Foolishness to the Greeks, and also in Gospel and Plural Society, uh, he has this, this phrase around the responsibility of local churches. He says, the role of the local church is to be a sign, a foretaste, and an instrument of God's coming kingdom in a place, a place for which it is responsible. Of course, the word ecclesia is that kind of gathering of people who are taking responsibility for a place. It, uh, the, the New Testament writers, they could have used temple or synagogue, but they used ecclesia, this gathering of people who are looking after the well-being of a place. And over the years, we've had this sense of call to places. Places kind of chose us. In Winston Green, uh, and we, uh, we began to experience and wanting to see um, how far this idea of Shalom can go. We want to test it out in so many ways. And so we had a local park called Black Patch Park. And uh, it was covered in rubbish. It was covered in old tyres and construction junk. 
And, uh, and we've started to pray and feel like if we're gonna be the responsible ones for our neighbourhood, we've gotta do something about our park. And so we joined the local Friends of Black Patch Park group and we met with council and we began to dream of what this park could look like if it came back to life. If Shalom, God's will would be done in this park, what would it look like? And then we looked at other areas of land that, were, that um, local council and others thought were wastelands, literally the language they would use. But we had a dream. <laughs> And uh, amazingly, actually, uh, a few things kind of happened all together. We began to talk about this dream for this, this area. Um, first of the council were willing eventually to help clean up the park and make it work again, partly because we had a partnership with uh, West Bromwich Albion Football Club. Some people may know West Brom. That's our local football team. They're a bit of a yo-yo team. Uh, they go up and down from the Premier League to the Championship. And... Uh, and one of the key recruiters for West Bromwich Albion used to live in Winston Green and he came back and he was saying, you know, how, how do you, uh, uh, how are you going to see change happen here? You know, I, I, I fled this place, you know. He said, well, one of the things we did in Bangkok was football. We'd love to see football happen. He said, well, you can have the next Lionel Messi in your neighbourhood, but there's nowhere for the kids to play. There's no clubs here anymore. They won't be developed. I said, well, one of the things we did in Clontoy was start a football club. He said, well, if you could get a whole lot of young people playing football, I'll help out of my budget, get you coaches and teams and uh, administrators and help you start a football club. So I said, great, if we have an open day, could we have the open day at, at the Hawthorns, you know, at the actual ground you know, in the academy? Yeah, we could have it in the academy grounds, no problem. So we had a thousand young people show up. We went through all the schools. You know, would you know? Would you, uh, you know? Would you come? If you got any talent, bring these kids. And with so many talented young people, kind of joined. It was a bit of a catalyst, not just for West Brom. Seventeen of our kids made it into the West Brom Academy system, but uh, but the park was saved. And now suddenly the 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 ground area opposite that was derelict, um, we were able to get that rezoned for a new high school. And then there's another area where there was a, a, a kind of swampy kind of land and we could imagine housing there. And now uh, the school that, that has started to be built will have its first, um, first intake of students in September and we're hoping any day now actually, the first breaking of ground for 520 new apartments of which 30 will be affordable homes and the Church of England will buy um, 100 of these apartments for communities. And you say, what's all that got to do with salvation? It's got everything to do with salvation. This is about the well-being of people and place and the church taking responsibility for what's going on. We use what's strong in our community uh, and you saw images of that to fix what's wrong. The third uh, element of this story is the joy that the disciples experience. And this joy, joy is not just something that uh, is fleeting. Joy is an experience, a kind of ping when we feel a sense of gratitude. And that gratitude comes, ironically, when they see the scars of the risen Jesus. Peace be with you. And the joy that comes from seeing what the sacrifice that Jesus has made, but the joy that comes 
It's a, it's a strange thing, Joy. Uh, in our first lockdown, I think I had experienced a lot of joy, actually. Suddenly we could slow down and be quiet and read. And I started to get up really early in the morning to pray again and reset my kind of schedules. The third and fourth lockdown was not so great for us, but that first one actually slowed us down, enables us to to notice the good things that God was doing. In fact, one of the um, one of my kind of morning rituals now, when I wake up, is to think about three things I'm grateful for, just to start my day off. And it's amazing when we slow ourselves down and pay attention to the good things God is doing, how that can fill our hearts and our minds. What's interesting about where this joy goes though, it's not just for ourselves. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Jesus, God and Jesus didn't just zap us from heaven from a distance. This is not just a super spiritual insurance policy. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. And it's out of this solidarity, out of this suffering with, compassion literally means suffering with, that, uh, that God brings about change. In uh, July last year, I was in Myanmar on the Thai-Burma border and uh, we'd been working with uh, the National Unity Government, the Civil Disobedience Movement, and they'd been resisting the military dictatorship there and these young leaders were wanting to start small businesses and to generate income for themselves. There was a, um, a moment where... Uh, uh, where we were just stuck. Um, and uh, it was because news came that George Jimmy, one of the kind of Martin Luther King Jr. kind of characters of, uh, of Myanmar um, politics, um, had been hung by the, by the military. I met Johnny actually in... Um, uh, sorry, George Jimmy... Um, in, um, in Springvale actually years ago and for him and three other colleagues to be hung and uh, killed, executed that way was uh, just devastating for, for the group of us who were coming together to look at, um, at incubating their programs. But there was something about being with people at that moment. There was something about even... Um, the defeating of the fears that came. There was something about God's presence in that moment that um, there's an old, uh, that had we just kind of done it from distance, that would have been a different thing. But being in the same room, being with people makes all the change. Lao Su once said, go to the people, live with them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know, build with what they have. But with the best leaders, when the work is done, the task accomplished, the people will say, we've done it ourselves. And I think that's been a mantra for us for over 30 years. And as these Burmese folks get back up off the ground and as we stand with them, Burma, uh, Myanmar could be free this year. That's how close it all is. With a bit of Ukraine could be free this year. Our urban neighbourhoods, in, uh, all over the UK could be free. They could experience um, the joy of God, the shalom of God and fear can be appeased but it will not happen by remote control. 
It comes as we enter in to a suffering world, as we follow Jesus to the edge and to the margins and to the bottom and be a healing balm, a balm that brings about change and hope. We can't just preach a message. We must embody the good news ourselves. Call to discipleship is not a call to uh, fix things up. The call of discipleship is to follow, join and participate with the incarnating God who is healing all things, making all things new. That's our call. I'm so thrilled to be with you here today because I know so many of you are uh, following Jesus and have been so faithful in that. I love all the programs this church is doing and and I looked on the website, there was one program that did kind of take my fancy and it was the Flourishing Course. How many of you have done the Flourishing Course? A few. You should all do the Flourishing Course. This is what you need this year. (laughs) Go and enrol in the Flourishing Course. It looks amazing. Uh, But I'd also encourage you to find that place Find a place for which you're responsible. Find that place that will unlock your fears. Find that place where you can be responsible for God, people and place being in harmony together. That's, uh, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for all the great things that you've been doing in and through this church over so many years. Lord, if there are people here today who haven't fully surrendered to you, who are on the edge of trying to play it safe, of being locked in their own fears, locked in their own insecurities, Lord, would you liberate us today in a new way? Would you bring about change and hope? Would you this year give us a fresh experience of your joy your hope, your shalom. In Jesus' name, amen.